Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Spaces, Part 3, recorded Sunday, November 27, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Several years ago, there was a research study done about road rage. And it was meant to identify the common traits of people who engage in in such behavior. Don't look around. Don't 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 poke anybody. Okay, and don't look here. Uh, social position? Is it age? Is it is it is it sexuality? Is it economic disparity? Is it gender? Is it political affiliation? They only found one common denominator that everyone seemed to have in common. You know what it was? Bumper stickers. And the more bumper stickers a person had, the more likely they would be to engage in, in road rage. And I was thinking about that. So what is a bumper sticker? A bumper sticker is my brand. It's really who I am. I heard someone say this a while ago, and it made sense to me. Posts, tweets are our contemporary version of something that we have had for a long time. Bumper stickers. And we want to think that our stickers, our tweets, our our posts, our snaps, that we're being persuasive. Generally, we're not. They are generally descriptive of who I am and what I mark myself to be, how I think, what I'm passionate about. Sometimes I read someone's sticker or post, and I, I immediately want to defend myself, my cause. And I have been ashamed for people who I love who put things on social media and how they communicate a brand. Sometimes I've looked back at some of the things I posted and thought, you know, that really isn't going to be persuasive to anyone. All that does is show who I am and how I think. And so if you're attacking from your view of politics or of education or of your particular religious bent or of your loyalty to your nation or your latest cause du jour, I mean, we might have good intentions, But the fact of the matter is, we are just stating who we are. And we need to understand what the rest of the world hears when I label my brand is not necessarily persuasive. It might be just the opposite. Because it turns the good news into something else. We're in this short series we're calling Spaces, And we're learning from a letter written by Paul to a young preacher, Timothy, about what it requires to fight in the spaces that really matter, our homes, where we work, where we do life, our school, our various, you know, amusements and where we go to do that. Timothy had a problem that Paul addressed throughout his two letters to him. The problem was anxiety. And he said, you need to deal with this, Timothy. You need to treat your stomach so that you're not sick. You're not always churning over the anxiety of the church. He told him not to be discouraged by more mature church folks who make him feel less because of his youth. Instead, he says, look, be a good soldier. He says, set aside the immaturity of youth and pursue different things. Put aside your selfishness and your anger and your rage and use other tactics in the spaces that you're inhabiting. 
Let's read some of that. It's 2 Timothy 2.22 and following. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have, listen, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. <clears throat> Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who is taking them captive to do his will. There's things here we just can't get past. Let me just point out some of them. First of all, we got to fight for our spaces by fighting against our instincts. Now, I know that in this part of Timothy, there's things he says, like he says, you need to run, you need to flee from your passions of youth, for instance. He says you need to speak with kindness. He, he says you're going to change people with kindness. Now, don't misunderstand this word to somehow mean kindness means weakness or, or passivity. It does not. That is not kindness. And, and, and kindness is not just the way we treat those who are on, on our side. That's not Christian. That's Darwinian. And Darwin taught to win by fulfilling my humanity and achieving my destiny and my greatness. That's Darwin. Paul says, this is from the gospel that he learned, be kind to everyone. Show honor in your space, even to your opponents, especially to your opponents. And why is that? Because, listen to me, kindness wins the space. Kindness wins the space. Kindness is, I know it sounds weird, it's our weapon. It's our weapon of choice. First of all, we're told to avoid ignorant and foolish controversy because we've been given a commission and we're not supposed to get diverted or sidetracked by quarrels, by, by things that drag us off the main highway of our purpose as Christians into some cul-de-sac of some dumb argument. Friends, I love being a part of a church Remember that Paul is writing to a man who serves in a similar role as me in a church. A man who's leading in a church in a role like mine. And, and overwhelmingly and almost always, I will tell you the same thing's true with me that's true with him. That, that I don't lose any sleep when, when someone who I love is going through a hard time and I know I'm going to be with them the next day, praying with them and encouraging them. I don't lose sleep over that because I know God's going to go with me. I don't, I don't lose any sleep when, you know, I have a, a really hard memorial service coming up and I need to plan for that. I don't, I don't lose sleep over, you know, when, when someone's going through a difficulty and our church is going to rally because I know we will. I'm just going to admit something to you that I'm very ashamed of. And I am ashamed of it. My guts get twisted over unhappy members who roll through foolish and useless arguments. I have to confront maybe a longtime member 
who's behaving poorly, uncharacteristic, petty, or selfish. Or it's when a longtime Christian is damaging the unity of the church over something they just got all messed up over and just affected them personally. And, and it's selfish. And it's, and it's disunifying. I mean, that's where I lose sleep. And I'm ashamed of that. Now, I got to tell you, it doesn't happen very often here, but I will lose sleep over stuff like that. And that's my fault, by the way. It's not yours. That's my fault. Because that shows a lack of faith on my part. But what Paul is telling Timothy is that in our space, there's no room for that kind of behavior. All of us have this tendency to be drawn into controversies. It's just something about our, our, the way we grew up or something. We, we get diverted. And, and what happens at this kind of behavior when we're, when we're arguing over meaningless stuff, it's just so self-diminishing. Because when I'm quarreling, I'm engaging in foolishness. And I'm just asking you to think about the bumper stickers and the tweets and the posts and the, you know, and the snaps and whatever else you do in that, in that arena. Because there's a difference between someone who's fighting the good fight and someone who is looking for a fight. Now, I get it. There is something that makes us scrappy. Like, we are Nebraskans, okay? I don't know. It's probably bred into us somehow. Maybe it's the, we cross the Atlantic Ocean in boats no bigger than this room, wooden crates, and somehow survive that. We didn't, but somebody down the line did. Or we got over that Rio Grande River, and we slugged our way to where we could make a living and take care of our family, and we made it to the Platte River Valley and turned it into the oasis it is. I don't know what it is. But we got this fighting spirit. I mean, I got to admit, when, when those guys rose, you know, raised that hero's trophy on Friday, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good right there. I did nothing to earn it, but I'm feeling pretty good because we're fighters. We don't like to lose. And there's some things worth fighting for. But uh, the things that we normally fight against aren't worth it. It's good to fight. It's good to fight for my marriage. It's good to fight for my family. It's good to fight for my children. It's good to fight for our community values. We need to fight, but we can't quarrel. And there's a big difference. In our spaces, we, we, we don't have to protect ourselves. That's not the goal. We are fighting for the hope that God will bring mercy into a place that needs it. He'll bring truth into a life that's desperate for it. And that somehow, he will save someone else from hell. That's what we fight for. So to do that, we avoid ignorant and foolish controversies. And don't react, this is a hard one, to personal insult. And you know. That's that brother-in-law who likes to push your buttons about everything from who should be the next coach to the latest election or to your church. And they make your blood pressure rise as soon as they walk into the Thanksgiving feast, right? And it's not because you're grieved that they might themselves be in trouble with the, in danger of the abyss. It's just that they just offend you and you just get offended by them. You get outraged with some post from someone going off about people of faith 
because you feel personally offended. So what? You get all messed over when you hear about something your kids are being exposed to in the classroom at school because, well, they can't teach my kids that stuff. And you make it like something personal. Do you get upset because someone knows how to push your hypersensitive buttons or your emotion comes from a deep sense of grief that behind that post, in that school, at that turkey feast, there just might be someone who's flirting with the, with the gates of, of hell. Where is it? Is your outrage just because you're being personally insulted? I would say to you, that's the wrong reason. I want to re- remind you of something that an, a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus wrote about him. Here's what he said, Isaiah chapter 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So you don't change your space by winning an argument. It's by fighting for their freedom, fighting for their freedom. The Lord's servant, Paul tells this young preacher, must not be quarrelsome. Now, now what does that mean? In the spaces where people are challenging my life and my reasons for why I follow Christ, does that mean that I need to roll over and not say anything? Does that, no, not at all. We're, we're, we're supposed to teach, that's my role. It should be yours too. We're to teach something. And we do so by being kind because selfishness gets us nowhere. We patiently, he says, endure evil like good soldiers, enduring it, not protecting my ego, but fighting for someone's life. I'm protecting who he says, I, who, who we are and who I am, not who they say that you are, and you, and, and you know, he's not, he wants to protect who he is and, and love others through you. I, I know that sounds okay, but how do we do that? Paul says it's with kindness, it's with gentleness, because you know what's going on. You got the inside track. You know that the vindictive bitterness that comes out of the argumentative person, the broken person, that that, that gets you nowhere, and you have hope. He told Timothy in chapter, in, in chapter 2, 25, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap that the devil has put on them that, that will take them captive and ultimately destroy them. And so many of you live this way, day in and day out. I get to see that too. It's the great privilege of my life when I get to see people live their lives that way. When you let Jesus own your space and you, and you treat people the way Jesus treats people. We've asked several people this month to tell their stories. You heard from, from Jeff and you heard from Ramona last week. This is another story that we wanted to show you. I'm honored to share this space story with you this morning.
So my name is Ted Lothrop. Uh, me and Jake Usry own Landscaping Solutions and we've been doing it for, I think, 10 years-ish. The main things we do are like paver patios, uh, retaining walls. Some of it, we do landscaping stuff too, so it's just pretty much anything landscape-wise we cover. Now I have six main guys that are um, like my go-to guys, but in the midst of the summer we'll have up to 16. It just depends on the year and how much help I can find and who I can trick into digging holes, you know, so. I try my very best to show Love Unlimited. Um, I think that my main thing is knowing that, um, or telling my guys, showing them that, that, that I love them. Um, I think everything else is just background noise. Uh, they know that I love them, that that's really all. And Jake, Jake does the same thing too. All my guys know where my faith stands, so I never press it. Um, if they wanna come to me, they know where I am. Um, and I, I'm always open for the conversation, so. Noah came to me here, it was would have been a couple years ago. Um, yeah, I'm trying. It's okay. No, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get there. Um, Noah was, um, he was a, he was more than a friend. He was more than a coworker. He was a brother. Um, a couple years ago, he came to me and asked. He goes, hey. Um, he was struggling with some stuff, and who doesn't struggle with stuff? So he came to me, and we, he ended up getting baptized. Um, and here on October 26th, unfortunately, he passed away from a car wreck. And um, I, uh, it's just I lost a brother, you know. I didn't lose a, I didn't lose a coworker. I didn't lose a friend. He was, he was my brother. So um, a lot of power in the fact, though, that he was baptized, so for sure. I don't have to be at job sites anymore because my guys are so great at what they do. And in, in fact, it would probably, it would be, it wouldn't be a good use of time. Um, I trust them that they're doing their job and they trust me that I'm doing my job. And, and because we have that trust and that love, it's a family. So there's no need for me to even be there. I can work on things that are more um, of, of building the business. This isn't like me being the boss. I think that's like a very poor way to run anything. Um, I think the only person we all are working for is Jesus. So I mean, if we can all work together, I think, and I think people see that. The pe people see that that's, that's us here. We don't, we don't do that every day, but we try, you know, so. I've known Ted since he was in high school, and uh, he's in the same class with my daughter and her pals, and maybe a year older, I don't know, they all ran together, but Ted has become one of the most inspirational people I know. And, and wherever he lives, I, I appreciate his honesty. I think you might be able to relate to this. He knows he's not perfect, but he's trying. He's trying to make the space different. He just believes that Jesus is real, that God makes a difference, and that change happens when we treat people the right way. And by the way, he married really well. You met Jessica? Come on, you kidding me? But here it is again. Opponents must be gently instructed. Gentle and kind, because our objective is not to win the argument, you know, not to have that killer drop the mic, spike the football argument for everything that comes around. 
say it, spike it, walk away like you don't care. That's not what God tells us to do. He says our hope is that repentance will be granted, leading to freedom from the trap of the abyss. I mean, can you remember what it was like? Can you remember what it was like to be trapped in a life outside of the mercy of Jesus Christ? Can you remember that? You should remember that at times. Just go back and remember. Ephesians chapter 2 puts it this way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving the wrath of God. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even though we were dead in our transgressions. Because it is by grace. By grace you've been saved. I mean, we all hide behind different things. Some of you hide behind some identity you've built up over the years. Or maybe for you it's false humility. Or maybe it's over self-confidence. Or maybe it's some piety that you build up. Or it's some self-loathing that you live in and it keeps people at arm's length. Or maybe it's just pure selfishness that sucks the life out of you and everyone around you. But what brings life into our space? It is Christ's great love, his rich mercy, and his magnificent grace. Say this with me. Love, mercy, grace. Say it. Love, mercy, grace. That's what we take into our space. Say it again. Love, mercy, and grace. That's the space. Paul makes a very important distinction between how we instruct believers and non-believers, between those who are inside and those who are on the outside. And you might think that he'd say, take it easy on your brothers and sisters when they're behaving poorly, and then maybe lay it on the worldly people who are your opponents. It's just the opposite. Read chapter 3. In chapter 3, he says, when you're misbehaving within the, in the body, you address that forthrightly, facially. But when it's a non-believer, love, mercy, and grace. First Peter chapter 1.18, For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from our ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. The reason we don't snarl and bristle at the Walmart clerk when they say, Happy Holidays. The reason that we don't sneer at the kid with the bumper sticker that's counter to your love unlimited one. The reason we don't dress down the music director at the Christmas program we're going to go to next month because they didn't put any sacred music in there. 
The reason that we don't go to Thanksgiving prepared to make a few political zingers with the guy or your sister married, the reason that we don't go into a rage because of the latest workplace disaster placed on your desk is not because we don't care. The reason is because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. The fight is won by blood spilt. The fight is won by blood that is spilt. When Jesus was being arrested, his friend Peter grabbed a sword. Remember what he did? He tried to fight off the, the arresters. He, he took off a guy's ear. And what did Jesus say? So look, I can call down 10,000 angels if I want to. Put the sword away, Peter. This fight will be won differently. And we, you know, we, we go into these spaces and we need to understand we fight differently. We saw example after example of this in the slum neighborhoods of Nairobi last week. There's this oppressive pall that, that hangs over that valley. It, it's just unbelievable. You drive in there and you just go, what? This is not the real world. There is so much desperation. There is so much pain right before your eyes. There is so much spiritual destitution that can't even be described. I don't care what pictures we show. Yet every time we go there to that school that we're building from the ashes, we experience the great antithesis between horror and hope. And I will tell you, it's easy to go in there and be discouraged and to be outraged, to believe that the world has won. But then immediately you see the bright, smiling faces of the children and you hear their voices ring out in song. And you experience one of the most humiliating and starkly marvelous counterpoints to evil imaginable. The kids sing. And there's almost 500 of them in a school today that didn't exist three years ago. And it's because of you and your love that's making that happen. Thank you. Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. You know, there is one who should be outraged. There is one who should be counting down the days. There is one who should be shaking in the fear. There is one who knows his time is short, and that's the devil. And the war is over, but the battle still rages. Next week, we're going to give you an opportunity throughout the next month, actually, to give hope for kids. And uh, it can be in Kenya. It can be in Nairobi. It can be right here locally, because... We want to fund scholarships for our Connect program so that kids who can't afford to come to Connect can come to Summer Connect. And we're asking you to be generous with that because we fight for him. We fight in our spaces. And we don't use anger. We don't use arguments. We don't go defensive. It's about of love, mercy, and grace. Say it again with me. Love, mercy, and grace. That's what's at stake. We do it with kindness. That's how we fight. And we'll win our spaces with love, mercy, and grace. Lord, as we commune today, we celebrate blood that was spilt to change the scenario of the world, to change the scenario of evil winning, to reverse the effects of the transgressions in my life that will ruin me, the lives of all the people here. And it gives us a new way to enter into those spaces, a way that's not worldly, but rather 
a way that's godly, where we take love, mercy, and grace. Your cross purchased that, that power. Your resurrection solidifies it. May we be resurrection people in our spaces. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just briefly, when you walk out in the parking lot today, don't look at your neighbor's bumper stickers, but maybe took a, take a look at what's hanging out on your car and evaluate that. And then, you know, when you uh, read your next post or tweet or whatever, maybe don't have that drop the mic zinger. Just remember who the real enemy is. And when you read another rant on social media, instead of posting the political counterpoint or the spiritual counterpoint or the sports counterpoint, post a prayer. Just a prayer of kindness and gratefulness. Because who, who knows? Maybe you'll change that space just a little and somehow God will be glorified. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.